Did you know that right now there's a group of people running the business of their dreams? They are respected leaders in their field, working with clients they love and serving them profitably. Now, are they famous? Depends on who you ask. They're not signing autographs at the grocery store or taking selfies every five minutes. They're not trying to be everywhere on social media. Yet when they show up at trade events and conferences, they are recognized and sought after. They're the ones everyone else looks up to. They're the next generation of thought leaders in their space. So what's their secret? Well, they've become famously influential to the right people, and so can you. Today, we'll dig into the story of one of these leaders and deconstruct how they became micro-famous. You won't just come away inspired, you'll come away with a new strategy and a new way of thinking. So while your competition is scattered, chaotic, and chasing every shiny object, you can move forward with confidence and clarity. I'm your host, Matt Johnson, agency founder and author of Microfamous. And if you're ready to become famously influential to the right people, let's get started. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. And I don't know if you've ever heard or interviewed one of those people that has a background that is so unbelievable that if you didn't know the person and talk to them, you would swear that their life was like the plot of a movie or something like that. This is, this is my guest today. Leah Komiko is a brand coach and a consultant, but if you have kids, you might recognize her name because she's also the, the author of 20 plus children's books, New York published children's books. Uh, two of those are modern classics, which have been in print for more than 30 years one of which she wrote in just a couple of hours. Over the years, she's spoken to 100,000 kids in schools across America and, and um, companies and conferences all across the country and across the world. And in addition to that, she's had kind of this parallel career as a brand coach and consultant to both individual entrepreneurs and major brands behind the scenes. And the reason for that according to her perspective, which I 100% agree with, which is that you should be able to distill the essence of your brand and your idea down to something that a five-year-old would understand. And I was introduced to Leah by an amazing past guest of the show, Kelly Campbell, and she introduced me by saying, Leah asked me one of the most interesting and unique questions I've ever been asked, which is, what was your favorite book as a child? And you'll hear uh, in the podcast episode with Leah, she asked me the same question. We talked a little bit about that because it's one of her ways of really getting into a deep and interesting conversation that's very revealing with someone that she doesn't know very well, but it also helps them understand that the message they're trying to convey, whatever that is, whether it's for you as a person or you as a brand or an organization, whatever your message is, it absolutely must be able to be distilled into a form that can be said to a five-year-old and understood by a five-year-old. And I think we miss that a lot of the times. You know, in the micro-famous book, I talk about the power of a clear and compelling idea. Well, that's in the, the eye of the beholder, right? What's clear to one person might not be clear to another, but the more you can distill it down to its essence and the more simple you can make it in simple, plain language, even to a niche business market, the better that message will attract the right people. And so we talk with Leah about everything from pivot fatigue of what's going on right now in the business world to how do you identify and go back into your childhood to discover what that first book that made an impression was, what that says about you, and then how do you learn the lessons of what type of messages grab and capture the attention and imagination of a child and translate that over into your message so that you can make it sharper, more defined, more polarizing, more attention grabbing, and ultimately clear and compelling. So without further ado, here is Leah Comico. Leah, officially welcome to Microfamous. 
Thank you. I feel famous already. Michael. <laughs> well, I, uh, I'm so happy to have you. As I mentioned uh, in the separate introduction, you know, we were introduced by Kelly Campbell, who's a mutual friend and who also was on the show. Uh, and sounds like you have a really, really interesting background. And I, I know I covered some of the links and places where people can go. In, in the intro, but uh, there was something on your blog that ca caught my eye that I wanted to start out with, and that is the concept of pivot fatigue, which made me laugh. I just, I, I chuckled the first time I saw that. Um, yeah. So first of all, let's talk about what, what are you seeing right now in this moment as we record this in May of 2020? I think people are exhausted. I think people have tried, I think what I'm seeing, what I know for myself is it started off, everyone felt very, you know, for the team, for the country, for the world, you know, and I will pivot and I will turn. And the next thing I know, I was talking to people who were kind of spinning and then kind of like spinning out. And then basically it was like a world of whirling dervishes. If you've ever seen what those are, there's like, you know, it just, I'm seeing that um, uh, it's, it's natural that it's something we feel like we should all be doing. And in a lot of ways you have to, and, and that uh, we're, everybody's doing the very best that they can and that it's frightening and that uh, nobody really knows what to do. Um, I, and so what I'm seeing is, is that people are pooped. I mean, I, you know, a couple of weeks ago I was talking to people who sounded like they were nine and then I get them on the phone and I go, who is this? What? <laughs> You know, so everybody's tired and it's just yeah. trying to figure out who am I now? How do I do this? How do I take care of people? Should I, you know, should I cut my rate? Should I cut my throat? Should I, you know, it's just <laughs> one of the options as you see them, you know, it's, uh, yeah. you know, do I pull the parachute? Do I jump into, you know, do I become a pole dancer? I'm, you know, it's, um, and, uh, it's um, like a panic, just like a panic, a lot of panic. Understandable. It is a lot of panic. Lot well, of panic. so so when you're working with clients and and you're working with them, let's let's say on messaging, uh, yeah. to me that would be the the first and best place to start is to not change anything about the business. Uh, you know, as long as you're allowed to operate, of course. But if you're allowed to operate, yeah. it would seem that the first thing you should do is look at the messaging and not all of the very core offers and the essence of what your business is at least at least try listening to your audience and see what they're going through and just see if maybe it's maybe it's not something about the business maybe the messaging and the storytelling can just be adjusted to fit the times that we're in eloquently put <laughs> you got it i mean that's pretty much it i mean no it's i think generally i mean i see people that have had you know like seven million dollar a year businesses talking to me and saying we've decided to go into real estate and i said well you know it's not your core business wow. um and i understand you have a big nut so you need to keep keep it all moving mm -hmm. um but maybe just a little bit of the messaging maybe just uh um you know, shift it up and really see what people want as opposed to what you're afraid they have to have because we're so used to talk, talking to people and saying, here's what you need, here's what you need. And it's been shifting like this for a long time. But then all of a sudden, it's, now it's really shifting. So I think just looking at your message and looking and having, and you know, being able to take the temperature of the room all the time to be awake daily, not to changing what you offer. iCloud is not to changing what you offer, but to changing who you're, who's listening and how they're hearing you, mm -hmm. you know, to, to not change what you stand for. Um, but to not be afraid to say things like, uh, I feel your pain in so many words. Um, 
you know, to not be, to, to read the room, you know, uh, just to read the room. I mean, you know, I have clients who um, have a lot of uh, parties involved with their work. There's a client who has a lot of party involved with her work. And so she's, you know, she's been constantly poking in this week's party and this week's party. And so, you know, she said, I don't understand why I don't have, you know, any businesses. And I said, well, how about just changing it, you know, pandemic party? How about just one little word? How about just looking and realizing that not that many people are out, you know, partying. Um, yeah, it's an out. odd word. Yeah, it's just an, it's an unusual it's word to word. use so right generally now. Generally, yeah. the messaging is just needs to be tweaked. Mm-hmm. This is what, tweak your message and go deeper into yourself. My experience is, is that uh, most companies that I've worked with um, are afraid of that, you know, and the deeper you go into yourself and who you are and who you are and who you are, which is what your message is and why that matters to somebody else, then the, then the pivoting becomes something like you recognize, look, people pivot every day. I mean, forgive me, but we're constantly pivoting. You wake up, I think I'll go here. No, I think I better go here. No, you know, it's just, we have human minds. That's all we do. And, and, and that's the nature of the human mind. Mm-hmm. Um, we pivot. We wake up in the morning and say, I'll never do this again. And by noon, we've done it. You know, that's a pivot. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but we definitely yeah. run the risk of, uh, of confusing the market when all those, when all those thoughts get, uh, get put out in public yeah. instead of staying here where they it's belong. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. It's very hard. I mean, I don't mean to minimize that, you know, yeah. that it's not easy, but it's just the messaging, you know. Well, let's talk about kind of the, the difference between listening really closely and going further into yourself. Cause I, cause I'm curious about that. I've been thinking a lot about that lately. Um, but before we go down, down that a little bit deeper, can we take a step back and just, uh, like when you're talking about the clients that you work with, typically who is that type of person? Well, I've in typically now and the past I've worked with, um, I've worked with a wide range of businesses in the past. Mm-hmm. I work with, you know, fortune 100s and I've worked with you know, celebrities and uh, recently, most recently I find I've been working with serial entrepreneurs, mm. um, a lot of founders, people that are, have been founders of large businesses. I get a hand, quite a few of those people, they had big businesses, they stepped away, they sold, they're on to their next thing. They're not ready to quit. They're on to the next thing, but they don't want it to be like the last thing. Right. Um, yeah. But it's, uh, I work one-on-one. So I, in and of itself, I um, have a, a very micro audience, which is exactly how I like it yep. um, uh, because it's what works for me. So, uh, but yeah, those are the pe- people that are generally people who have realized, I know I've got a really big idea and my business has gotten so complicated and I can't remember who I am anymore or what the idea is. Um, I have found over and over again um, that people with, incredibly genius ideas who don't even know that they're there are, are spending a lot of money and time trying to sell products and services that aren't really their big idea, you know, yeah. because they're missing the boat. So that's who I work with generally that people who are not, not necessarily on their first business. I don't think I'm really valuable to people like that mm-hmm. much more to people that have, you know, on a second time, a third time around or, I mean, the second time could be, I've just got my PhD and I'm trying to figure out what to do with that, but they've had a big accomplishment. And uh, they're in all this, I mean, I work with people from, I'm 
uh, you know, somebody who owned one of the most iconic restaurants in the world to, uh, you know, people with, you know, selling companies for like crazy amounts of money that are product service, you know, all different mm -hmm. types of businesses. It doesn't really matter what the business is. What really matters is the, uh, what really matters is, is for me, what's exciting to me is finding people who are not going to, who otherwise would not be, would not, their ideas wouldn't reach the light of day, even though they're genius ideas that should be out there every day. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that, that's the same for me. Um, that, that's part of why I do what I do is I enjoy yeah. getting people that have life changing content that aren't reaching enough people and giving them a vehicle to where they can reach more people because that gives me a lot of fulfillment. So that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but I, I was thinking the other day, um, I was thinking about like why, why certain types of content becomes popular and like really resonates with people. And I think uh, one of the things that we run the risk of doing is spending so much time thinking about what resonates with us that we, and maybe not going deep enough. So I want to talk about that in a second, but I think we, we run the risk of spending so much time thinking about what appeals to us that we don't actually spend a lot of time listening to our audience. And I, I noticed that you talked about that in one of your recent posts, cause I've been thinking about this a lot too. Um, when you are not your audience, right? When you're the serial entrepreneur who's on your second and third business and you're selling products or services that are to people that are, you know, you're, they're five or 10 years behind you. Like you are not the audience you're selling to. How do you suggest having those types of conversations so that you know what's going on in the minds of your audience? How do you, how do you keep your finger on the pulse of those people? That's a really good question. You know, I, I may have an odd answer. I often do, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I have clients in their thirties and I have clients in their seventies and I always think I'm got my finger on the pulse. Um, I mean, I don't know what it's like being your age at this point, but I've been your age. Um, I just assume I, I you know, there, there might be a, a couple of, you know, cogs missing in the wheel here, but I, I assume, I just, um, I'm not the audience, um, but how I listen to what they need and what they, and what they want is I assume that people pretty much want the same things all the time, which is, and I, and I just listen, I just listen very deeply and I ask a lot of, I ask a lot of questions. Hmm. And so, you're, yeah, you're yeah. talking about in the context of your own practice where you're actually, you're actually getting clients on the phone, you're able to talk to them and you're able to ask, ask yeah. questions. Yeah, I think that, is, that at least for now, that's kind of the conclusion that I've come to as well, which is that it just, it, it comes down to more time spent in conversation with the people that you're trying to sell to. Um, and I don't know that everyone has an easy answer for how to do that, but even as something as simple as just making time on your calendar for short 15 minute calls with clients, prospects, with, with no other intention than just to chat? You know, a, a man who was, I worked on a project with and for a large company many years ago was just like my hero and uh, had a big, big company. And uh, he used to make part of his day, his business, even though they were selling to, they were one of the large, you know, he would just say, bring me a list of people that are our clients. And he would just hop, hop on the phone. And that was part of his day. Yeah. I think it's your business, no matter how big, or it's your business to know, you know, like Walt Disney used to walk around Disneyland knowing the name of every single person who worked in that, 
in that park, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, other than, you know, Pluto and, and we knew there are Pluto they were underneath the costumes, you know. Yeah. And I think that's your, I think no matter what your business is, that's a big part of your business, mm-hmm. is to really talk to real live people, which is not, has become so, we've become really disconnected from that. But, you know, you're going to talk to like one person a week and you can learn so much more about your business and what people want and need. Yeah. It's different than getting on social media. It's like voice to voice. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good answer, but I think that's what comes to me. No, it's, it definitely fits with what I've been thinking a lot about. So let's talk about going deeper in yourself because you have a really, really, really unique background in writing children's books, I think 20 plus. And uh, so it gives you kind of this unique perspective, but it also led to what I think is probably the clear and compelling idea of your service. So let's yeah. talk a little bit about how the, you know, the storytelling ties in with your client work. Yeah, I um the story, I, mean, I figure if you can, I've, I've written a lot of books for kids and I've been with 100, over 125,000 kids in schools. And I had an eye, exactly. And I can still walk every other day. Um, and I, um, you know, I, as a function of that, I, I got to um, really see what makes a, a simple story stick. Uh, and um, I got to see that what, that, uh, well, I got hired. Let me just back this up to say I got hired. The first time I got hired in with a, with a company to do a project as a branding person was because I saw the connection between a kid's book and what makes a brand stick. And it's simple and it's definitive and it hits on emotions that you cannot manufacture. And so um, it, uh, uh, you know, I would, what happened was very, when I was working with Kelly like this, and she saw me is I would, I literally start with people when I work with them and I ask them to tell me the first kid's book they can remember. And if you were to tell me the first, I don't know, if I, if I were to work with you and you were to tell me your first kid's book, um, I could tell you your brand, your message, your vision, your purpose, all of those things in about 10 minutes. Wow. Um, and uh, so a kid's, book gets, gets, a kid's book is very efficient. It gets read by children and it gets people read by people of all ages. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, it sticks. If you put a child in front of a bookshelf where they've got like a hundred choices and they can't read yet and they don't know anything, they'll come and they'll put the same book down over and over and over again the same, each time, even though they've got a hundred choices, that's the same way you and I go to the store. There's a hundred choices. It never changes. But I think, um, where we get mixed up is we think uh, that our stories are not supposed to be delightful, that this half the business is very, very complicated. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying there aren't complicated things in business, of course, I mean, you know, but I think it's realizing that a message that sticks, sticks to your heart and not your head, you know, you, you go, th- that's, and that's what a kid book, a, a really good kid's book that just, sticks because it, get, it gets to the heart and that's why it's fascinating to me how i i mean when the last time i was on a plane back in the olden days and i was flying someplace to speak the olden days three months the ago days of two, 2019 <laughs> you know um and i sat next to this guy and he was telling me all about his business 
And he's been with me, a big executive with this business, and he was telling me all the details and the things that they do. He was very into it. And I said, he said, go ahead, ask me any question about what this company does. I'm like, oh, okay. So, so I'm perfect. So I said, well, can you tell me your brand story? He said, well, I think it has something to do with, you know, um, giving them your best shot. I said, I think, he said, I think that's what it is. And I said, he said, I said, oh, I said, he said, well, go ahead and ask me a question. He's like, good. I said, well, can you tell me the first kid's book you ever read? And like, that, like this, like an insecticide one, Danny the Dinosaur. Okay. Danny the Dinosaur. Anyway, we started talking about Danny the Dinosaur. And by the time he left there, un, you know, un, it was like not premeditated or manipulated. By the time the flight came over, he said, you have blown my mind. <laughs> You have, and I haven't blown his mind. It's his kid's book blew his mind. And literally, we were on the plane reshaping how he would present his brand story to this very large company, who he was, what his skills were, what his powerful things were. And he said, um, I feel validated. I haven't felt validated since I was seven years old. So, wow. you know, it's very powerful stuff that makes a very simple, simple story. Very powerful Makes simple. And it's, um, so yeah. Well, and, and you mentioned something. So simple, definitive, right? Yeah. Um, but I want to talk about the, the emotional part. Cause I think that's, yeah. uh, I, I know it is for me, it's one of the hardest things to really identify and kind of nail down. It's almost like nailing jello to a wall is what, what exactly is the core emotion that I'm trying to hit in a brand? Mm -hmm. And how do you, I, I, how do you identify that? Like I deal with this with podcast clients and we're launching a podcast, you know, I'll, I'll ask them like, Hey, what's the emotion that you want people to come away with when they listen to one of your episodes? And that always, that's, that question always throws them off because of course they have generally no idea, maybe some vague sense of, well, I want them to come out feeling empowered and, you know, entertained or something like that. Um, but, uh, so like when you're working with people to figure out what things resonate with them, how, how do you, how do you know that you found something that doesn't just resonate with them, but will actually resonate with the audience. And there's, there's a joint feeling there where it actually matches the audience with your client so that you're not just coming up with something the client loves. And then the audience goes, meh, like who cares? Well, that's a great question. I've listened to several of your, of your um, podcasts no, and, I, you. and I think you're terrific. And, uh, you know, I, I assume that when somebody knows how they want someone to feel at the end of what they're doing, and uh, I assume that if you're leading a company or you're the person who's in charge of the vision, that the vision that you have is opening up a world for somebody else. And, um, you know, I mean, every, every company that I love or who I follow or whatever, I are, you know, and, some of the companies that I work with, the, the customers might as well be the founders. They are basically selling to themselves. Mm -hmm. They are solving their own problems in a certain way. And, um, and they lead because their own emo emotional resonance to that reminds me of who I am. Whether, you know, and, and we, get a, we get away from that, you know? It's like, it's like this, this this may be a far off example, but you know, it's me. Lay, lay it on me. Okay. So, you know, I, um, I have been quarantining alone as I've been living alone for a long while. And, um, so I'm, I'm, uh, when last weekend I started binge watching Schitt's Creek. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now I, I had never seen Schitt's Creek 
And so I started watching it and it was just like I watched. And, and then some on Sunday night, I got to the end of my Schitt's Creeks and I thought, okay. And it suddenly felt like I was going to have a breakdown. Um, I've been doing great. I've been doing fine. I'm thrilled. Uh, and it's like, oh my God, what happened to my, these, these characters? And they said, so, well, if you want, you can watch the story of them behind the scenes. I said, no, no, I don't want to see behind the scenes. <laughs> I don't want to see behind right. the scenes. I'm emotionally connected to these people. I'm emotionally connected to their, to their story. I believe in them. And, uh, and so I just went to Amazon and bought the six seasons. So I don't have to wait till the next one comes out because I, don't, I can't wait. You know, because there's something wrong with me. I don't know. But the point is, <laughs> I think, you know, when I listen to you, and I, and I know there's, there's many podcasts out there. Uh, um, when I listen to you, it's like I just listen assuming whatever he's got, I'm going to want. I, I trust you because I've listened to enough of your podcast that I'm trusting that you have an essence in you that I would like to have in me. And um, I may not be able to articulate that for myself. In fact, most of the time we don't. Mm -hmm. But there's a reason why I listen to you as opposed to many, many other options or your, you know, the people that you work, that you, that you um, your clients. Mm -hmm. And I think that we, um, we stop giving people the reason why they're listening to us to begin with. So the emotional thing, to ask somebody, I mean, it's a perfectly legitimate question. To ask somebody what's the emotion is different than getting to a place where you feel it so deeply yourself you can't help but transmit the emotion. That, that is true. I, yeah, 100% agreed. Um, so it's more about going deeper within yourself to find something that you connect with really deeply so that you express yeah. your authentic emotion and then that's going to attract people that resonate yeah. with that. Yeah, to a certain extent. extent yeah. When I work with people, I, what I love about the little, my little corner of the world, what I can do when I help people is a first step to, you know, being, to people finding out who they are, are is when I, I, what I find amazing is when we connect to who we've always been, um, which is where a kid's book takes us to, all of a sudden the authentic starts to become really natural as opposed to something we have to Okay, what, how am I authentic? Am I not authentic? You know, all that stuff. You know, mm -hmm. it becomes natural. It becomes a more natural part of somebody's product, business, service, messaging, everything, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, um, I, feel, I fear I am not answering a single one of your questions. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. This is great. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's just think it's it's one of those things where... I think it just takes a two-way feedback. It goes back to our conversation about listening to the audience to know whether you're attracting the right people, the, the same people you thought you would. I, I, I think there's something where if you go out into the world, you're authentic and you express your story and your brand, yeah. uh, you may attract not quite the audience that you expected. And that, that should also be okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, yeah, it'd be nice to get really scientific about it on the front side. Uh, but I don't know that that's always possible. You're going to attract who you're going to attract. And um, yeah. yeah, I think that's okay. You know, I, you're going to attract, and you'll be surprised. You may be attracting people. I mean, I, even though people are pointing out to me, how come it is that you get these particular kinds of clients who have been on this and on that? And I never even thought about it. So, no, no, my audience is so-and-so because, you know, and, 
when you start listening, because I love the I love the the micro famous part of what you talk about. I just love that because when when you when you start listening to what the what the universe forgive me what the universe is telling you, you start to realize I've got a really big market in my really small circle, you know, and you start to see who you who you really can be for and and let that be what it is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and not be afraid that it's not big enough. Uh, all that stuff, you know. Yeah, that's that's really tough. That that hits at some that some weird toughest. core I mean, fear inside of us. You know, it's listen. It took me like you know maybe till last week to to get over the thing that uh, you know I, I should be rich and famous and the most wealthy and the next this and the. You know, I think I think that um, going back to grammar school. Mm-hmm. where I have done a lot of my research and living. I wasn't even planning on this being a, that's not why I did it. I wrote, I mean, I wrote books because I love doing it. But um, I think that fundamentally, and, you know, you have to be lucky to outgrow this, but the fear that you're not enough is the bottom line. So it extends, yeah. extends to um, my client base isn't enough. You know, I mean, I know that from writing books. Five was good, 10's better, 20's really good. What do you mean only two million, six? You know, it's like, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. You know, that's the big thing. How do I get more? How do I get more? You know, it's just who we are. Yeah, it's very true. Um, I want to delve into uh, the simplicity of storytelling, and I and I have a feeling what I what I think you're going to say, but I want to ask the question and see where it goes. Uh, But before we do, what's the best way for people to connect and, and learn about what you do, read your blog, get a sense of who you are and whether they'd like to work with you. Great. So I have a, I have a site that can reach me on and I've been, I've been told, talk about listening. I know I have a complicated name, but somebody told me the other day, the other day, you have a complicated name. Can I spell my site out or can I have it posted? They can reach me on my website. Well, my yeah, website. I was going to say, we'll have the link. You know, you don't have to spell out the link because we'll have it in the show notes yeah. where people just can, okay. can it'll, click it'll, it. Yeah. My, name is, my name is Leah Kamiko and that's K-O-M as in money, A-I-K-O.com. And I've got a site there and I've got a blog you can sign up for. And I've got, a, you know, a contact me thingy, uh, which basically says, if you want to talk, I like talking to people. So I'm, I'm, if you, even if you just want to email me a question, I'm happy to answer questions. Um, and that's how you contact me. And, you know, and then, um, you know, if we, if you're looking for someone to help you, if you're looking for a question, if I don't have the answer nine times out of 10, I don't have the answer to anything. But if I, if I, if I'm not the right person, I'll give you, you know, call, try this person. I love referring other people. It makes me look like a me genius. Really, that's so true. I love doing that yeah. too because yeah, it does. It totally makes it's you like, look like a well-connected yes, genius. I know the world. Yes, I am brilliant. <laughs> um, so uh, you know, but yeah, I, I please do connect with me. And I do have a blog that I mean, it only comes out like twice a month. Forgive me. I know you're supposed to be sending to people like every 35, 40 seconds, but. Uh, I spend a lot of time writing them and I just, I, I can't take, I can't take them to talking to my best friend more than once a week. So, um, yeah. you know, that's how I roll. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody should go and read your post on don't hate me because I have toilet paper, which I don't thought hate was me one of the because best. I have toilet paper. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the best blog titles. Okay. So uh, I'm curious when you are, when you're writing a children's book, I would imagine from the outside looking in, because I've never done it, I don't have kids, yeah. um, but I imagine from the outside looking in that one of the struggles has to be not to get enough material, but how to strip it 
away and refine it down to a simple form for an audience that isn't you, right? It's, it's yeah. really hard to put yourself in somebody's shoes where your reading yeah. comprehension is at an academic level. Their reading comprehension is at a, a toddler's. So I'm just curious, like, how do you force yourself and what is your refining process to get things down into its simplest form? The same that I do with every kind of editing because I've done a lot of different kinds of writing. <clears throat> and when I work on my content or my client's content, I, um, I put my, you know, it's a matter of having the chops and the patience and the willingness to look and say, um, uh, but what are they thinking? But what are they thinking? Sentence by sentence by sentence. But what are they thinking? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what, you know, what do they need? What do they, I mean, with kids books, um, there's actually, a you know, Again, I feel like when you're, it's, it's authentic to me. I can't say it just flows out because it doesn't, but you have, to, you have to look at each word. You have to be willing to realize that even if content is, you don't like content or you, you know, everything's done on video. Nonetheless, people, when people, people read words and they buy from words yeah. and they just do, whether you speak them, whether you write them. And so it's, um, it's the discipline and actually, for me, it's the joy of having a head that can work, move and, and be flexible to different audiences and markets. Your content, each piece of content you should really be approaching is what's the voice of this content? Um, uh, even though it's always going to be you. What's, you know, it, but it, it takes, I wish I had a simple answer. I, I, love, I love editing and I've been writing for my, you know, since birth. And so, um, but I think it's a willingness to, to really ask me, you know, it's like if you were, if you were in a movie and you were, this was a film script, um, you, you know, they would teach you in film school, just keep asking yourself, what is the audience doing now while they're sitting and watching? What are they doing? And sitting, assuming they're in a theater, are they eating popcorn? Are they picking your nose? What's your audience thinking now? The nice thing about things, the content that you and I have out or, you know, when we put things online is you've got about a 16th of a second before people tune you out. Ooh, that's true. So it's not like they're going to sit in the movie and go, but I already paid for the ticket. It's just, they're just going, the options, the choices are just too vast. I mean, they, if, you, if nothing resonates when they read with you, they'll be gone. Mm -hmm. So you have to, um, I know the rules of the road for, his books, I know the rules of the road for business copy. I know the, I've learned all the rules of the road because it matters to me. Yeah. And um, I haven't written a kid's book in many years. I did write a memoir. I've written, I've helped a lot of people get, people, not a lot. I've helped um, people get on the New York Times bestseller list. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've done a lot of different kinds of content, but the bottom line is you have to want to be generous. I think mm. you have to want to, you have to be generous I want to share what I've got with, you know, a kid, uh, an older kid, an even older kid. I want to share what I've got, you know, with what you do. It's a, it's a real act of generosity. I want my words to, to reach this person and that person and this person and that person. And in order to be generous, I have to realize that there's one planet, a billion worlds, you know, and so if, uh, you know, if, if somebody's reading one piece of content um, and you can put that out sincerely and with generosity, that's the best shot you've got. I mean, 
people say, well, my, I don't think it's edited as well. The grammar's not right. Nobody cares about that stuff. Yeah, it's true. You know, hit me in the gut in a kindly way, and I will love you forever. You know, say one thing that sticks with me, and I'll remember. Well, I can't think of a better place to stop than that. That was fantastic. Um, yeah, I hope people check out the site. The link will be in the show notes and all that stuff. Oh, but yeah, that's uh, you're, I think, the only other person that I've ever heard in the world talk about generosity in that sense uh, is one of my favorite authors and entrepreneurs, Derek Sivers. Um, that yeah, the good marketing is being generous, it's being considerate of other people. And I, I think if we stop looking at ourselves a little bit <laughs> so much, start looking at the other person, thinking of it in a generous frame of mind. Uh, it just, it puts us in a different state of looking at the other person first. So I, I love that approach. Yeah. To it. Yeah. 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 Love it. Thank you so much, Leah. This was fantastic. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate being here. I, you're terrific. I, I love listening to what you do. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Micro Famous Podcast. If you're ready to become famously influential to the right people, connect with us at getmicrofamous.com. It's the best way to take the next step to implementing the Micro Famous strategy in your business so you can attract an audience, build influence, and become the Micro Famous leader you're meant to be. And we'll see you on the next episode.